0: when, as everyone will remember, this when that horrible gang rape happened on the bus, and, uh, you know, it led to her, she eventually died, and all the protests that occurred after. Um, I was involved in those protests, like many other Indians um, were all horrified by what happened, and really, even probably more horrified by the indifference that the government showed towards her and towards the people's response to what happened. Um, so, you know, At one of those protests, um, I met uh, a Delhi police officer and asked him about what he thought about what happened to her and what was happening around him. And he said something that kind of got me thinking and surprised me. He said, basically, no good girl walks home alone at night. He said that in Hindi, but that's the translation. These are scenes you rarely see in this part of New Delhi, an affluent corner of the capital normally far removed from activism. But today, students, activists and the general public have taken to the streets to protest a crime they say has sadly become commonplace.
1: We are not protesting here because the girl was raped yesterday, but we are protesting here because this is an everyday issue. My father calls me up six times in a day just to check where am I, where am I? Hey, what's up? It's me, Karthik, and that's a clip from CNN live from Delhi in 2012. We live in a highly distracted world today. Social media has changed the way we stay informed and consume news. While social media has played a key role in shaping the world, it has opened the doors for people with good and not so good interests to voice their opinions, spawn campaigns, create movements and more importantly, influence how we think. Today's Me Too movement is a good example of this. But why am I speaking of all of this today? Well, that's because of our guest today. He is a documentary filmmaker who has created a handful of renowned works of art. He produced The Russian Woodpecker, which won the Grand Jury Prize at the 2015 Sundance Film Festival and was nominated for an Independent Spirit Award. His most recent film, The Karma Killings, about the Nathari serial killings, is out exclusively on Netflix worldwide and hailed as India's true crime watershed moment. He's a creator of the interactive social activist comic books Priya's Shakti and Priya's Mirror, which received the Tribeca Film Institute New Media Fund from the Ford Foundation and supported by the World Bank and was honoured by UN Women as a gender equality champion. So, brace yourself as we get into the conversation that gets into storytelling pulling off complex creative projects, and of course, about the impact of social media and technology on important issues like gender equality and more. But before we got into the episode, I want to invite you to my new free podcasting course. In this course, I help you with everything you need to start your podcast, even if you had no clue where to get started. So head over to designyourthinking.com voice to sign up and get access to this free course, which contains a video recording quick start guide and a personal branding guide as well to help you kind of get started and design your personal brand from scratch. To find out more, head over to designyourthinking.com voice. This show is brought to you by Thrive Membership from Thrive Themes. Do you have a website for your personal brand or business or your company? Well, I have one and it took me about 10 days to get the whole website up along with the content and I did it all by myself with zero technical abilities to really create a website. And in the 10 days, I was able to create a professional-looking website with email signup forms for lead generation, a complete sales funnel, a course, social network integration from commenting to sharing, and so much more. It was all thanks to a ton of ready-made design templates, ideas, and so much more from Thrive Membership, all available at just $19 per month. And that's just about 1,400 rupees a month if you live in India like I do and you get access to over 11 powerful tools and over 270 landing page templates from thrive membership tool set to learn more head over to designyourthinking.com thrive i repeat it's designyourthinking.com thrive from the dyt studios it's the design your thinking podcast a show about creators entrepreneurs and non-conformists and the stories behind the decisions they made that completely changed the future of their lives and businesses and now your host karthik But back in December 2012, a girl was gang-raped on a moving bus in New Delhi, India. Ram Devineni, our guest today, was in Delhi when this violent incident happened.
0: Well, um, I mean, it, at first it was the news. I think uh, most people were just kind of gripped by what was happening on the news and the stories were coming, leaking out. Um, and, uh, and then when the, when, the, when the really violent protests started happening, um, I I wasn't involved in those, mm. but I was watching it on the news, mm. and then and then there was of course the organized protest by many women's groups and just just college students as well, and uh, me and my friend said okay we gotta get down there and see what's like this is huge, this mm. is uh I mean this is a major thing, um as a documentary filmmaker I was probably thinking in the back of my head maybe there's a film here, mm. as well, mm-hmm. um not really understanding like how to do it but kind of maybe in the back of my head was also so you in my head as well yeah I, I i started shooting and filming and and then talking and talking to the protesters talking and also protesting as well and kind of uh just talking to regular people the cops and so on and so on mm-hmm. and um and that sort of kind of, it was very eye awakening because i i grew up as i said in the united states so i i really didn't understand Uh, gender violence issues in india Mm -hmm. i'm I'm being honest i didn't understand it at that point and uh i like probably most men thought Mm -hmm. that gender violence was a women's issue and uh i know from having done this comic book and spent all these years working on on this thing that it's now it is the only way to really solve this is to engage men it's not just a women's issue but men have to be involved in it as well
1: but what was ram doing in delhi Did he say a comic book? Well, he's also a filmmaker, so perhaps I needed to get some clarity and background right. Ram, can you perhaps quickly introduce yourself?
0: Yes, well, my name is Ram Devanani. I am a uh, documentary filmmaker, but I kind of mingle and uh, work in all different artistic forms. Uh, Recently, I created a comic book featuring... Uh, India's first uh, female superhero, who's a rape survivor, and that was uh, based upon the horrible gang rape that happened on the bus in 2012, uh, which I'll definitely go more into. Um, it's, I was uh, I was born in India. I was actually born uh, down in near Vijayawada in a small farm town called Eru, but I uh, moved to the United States when I was about six and uh, basically grew up uh, as an American. Um, but you know, I always went back to India with my family every summer.
1: How long have you been a documentary filmmaker? Uh,
0: roughly about five or six years now I've been making documentary films. Uh, I mean, I was involved in the arts, but previously um, I was publishing a poetry magazine in, in the New York area uh which was released worldwide and uh, predominantly in the US but um but I was also you know uh, full time working um as a good uh andra boy in the IT field as a um as a, uh, working um in IT for a large bank in the in the New York uh it's Citibank um so that was my second life and then roughly, literally, actually, a few years ago, I decided to quit and go full-time into making films and comic books and interactive work and social activism, uh, partially because uh, I was just getting uh, I was getting too much attention, and uh, it was impossible to keep both jobs. Um, and uh, I, you know, I was basically making pretty decent money doing arts, which... It's kind of a rare thing, you know, it's not so often that happens. Um, so now I'm a full-time artist, uh, filmmaker, you know, traveling around the world doing various projects.
1: Brahm is about 45 years now and he quit his full-time job at Citibank about 18 months to about two years back. He was working full-time for Citibank while he produced two documentary films and a comic book. These weren't ordinary pieces of work. One of his films, The Russian Woodpecker, won an award at the Sundance Film Festival and the other film, The Karma Killings, was bought over by Netflix. His comic book, Priyaz Shakti, was honored by UN Women as a Gender Equality Champion. Doing such work while working for Citibank full-time? <laughs> Ram, how long were you working for Citibank?
0: I was working for Citibank for almost uh, eighteen years, um, and I had other IT jobs before that. But yeah, that's sort of um, what I was doing. But always, I was involved in the arts. Um, it was it was kind of a good uh, combination, and this, I guess, is a little advice for anyone who wants to do the arts. You know, if you can find uh, art, in, in my case, poetry and literary magazines, that's manageable. You can have a kind of a full time job um doing that and kind of uh working in IT or whatever else but when it it came to a point where I was you know making documentary films and needed to make them in like really difficult places uh and and kind of travel around it it just became overwhelming and you can't at a certain point you have to make that decision and I did that
1: working a full-time job and doing all this sounds like a crazy thing to do to me how long did it take for you to complete each of these projects, Ram?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty fast. And uh, meaning uh, once, once I have the idea down, I can, I'm, I'm very good at writing grants and raising money and then eventually um, bring it to fruition. Like uh, the Priya Shakti, the comic book and everything involved mm-hmm. took roughly about 18 months. The documentaries, I try to finish them within uh, one year, 18 months maximum. And that's from conception to the getting it released into festivals and selling it like uh, in in the case of Karma Killings, it was eventually sold to Netflix. Um, So it's, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fast mover. I mean, the fact that I've made uh, three feature documentaries uh, two really successful comic books and Mm -hmm. a slew of other things in roughly five years while holding down a, sixty hour job where I was a vice president at Citibank um it can t- sort of give you an idea that like right. okay i i have the I'm, I'm I'm a guy who knows how to like get things done
1: yeah I mean, and, for sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure so uh, tell us about it but but, but but
0: yeah, yeah but, but let me just say this that doesn't always guarantee you're going to produce really amazing art you know right. so, I, I also believe there are uh there are artists and people who need to take their time yeah. and uh, sometimes they can produce one spectacular piece of work mm. in their lifetime and that's it mm. and uh, and that's something they should be proud of and sometimes you need to take that time it's just in my case i i kind of work in an expedited kind of fashion
1: yeah clearly ram is the kind of person who knows his strengths and plays by it so ram let's start with your comic book priyas shakti what is the comic book all about?
0: Well, Priya Shakti is uh, is an augmented reality comic book. And uh, it features uh, Priya, who is a rape survivor. Mm-hmm. And, um, and through the story, she calls upon the various Hindu gods, especially Shiva and the goddess Parvati. But she eventually realizes it's up to her to sort of change people's perceptions towards rape survivors. Mm-hmm. And she develops the power and the strength within her and of course she rides a tiger uh, as well by the end of the story Um, but this it's it's all about her empowerment and changing people's perceptions towards uh, gender violence and especially towards rape survivors and uh, the first comic book uh, came out um, while I was in Delhi in 2012 December 2012 when, as everyone will remember, this when that horrible gang rape happened on the bus, right. and uh, you know it led to her; she eventually died, and all the protests that occurred after. Um, I was involved in those protests, like many other Indians. Um, we're all horrified by what happened, and really, mm-hmm. even probably more horrified by the indifference that the government showed towards her and towards the people's response to what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so. You know, at one of those protests, um, I met uh, a Delhi police officer and asked him about what he thought about what happened to her and what was happening around him. And he said something that kind of got me thinking and surprised me. He said, Hmm. basically, no good girl walks home alone at night. He said that in Hindi, but that's the translation.
1: So help me understand this a little bit better. Why were you in Delhi on the first place when all of these protests were taking place there?
0: I was uh, making the film about the Natari uh, serial murders. I was um, living uh, next to the to the the you know the house where Pandir and Pandir's house in in Noida um, and kind of immersing myself into that case. It was uh, trying to understand what happened because this was, in my opinion, one of the biggest criminal cases at that time. Um, I mean, this is, of course, many years ago.
1: And was but, this a planned but, travel that you had done there to Noida?
0: yeah, I, I actually rented I, an apartment. It was like literally a block or so from the house So I was kind of me and the person I was working with, uh, we were immersed into this story. and we were you know shooting every day, getting all the angles and trying to understand this crime and the, and and everyone involved in it.
1: Everything has happened in your house. How come you don't know? That is the simple, most question people ask. I have not done it. I don't so, know
0: like, uh, you know, the, 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 they always say like in, in India, especially in Delhi, something happens in December. And it's not just people getting married. You know, uh, something always like you think you might have a great year, but some I don't know something like just weird okay. happens in December, uh, and that's what happened. Like some this was such a huge thing that occurred. Um, I mean, I, I really equate it to, 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 to one of the really eye-opening things for a lot of people in India, especially towards how uh, women are treated. And right. uh, I think it changed a lot of people's perceptions after this, including right. my own. And I felt like many Indians, we needed to go down to, um, to parliament and all the protests that were happening there and be involved in some way. So, and that's what I did.
1: It's been about six years since this incident happened, Ram. How have your perspectives on gender violence and gender equality changed in this period, or has it changed at all?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, we're, we're like in the midst of the Me Too movement right now, and right. it's hit hit India uh, just in the last couple of weeks in, mm-hmm. in a really forceful way. I mean, I, I really think uh, it's, uh, it's it's it's. It, one, I, I, if, if you if you give more power, and women should have more power.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When you give, when women have more power over themselves and their lives, the world is always a much better place. You know, right. it's just the, it's consistently anywhere in in civilization, in any society, in any country. If women have more power over themselves and their lives, the rest of society gets better. It's just like, that's a clear observation that I have from Mm -hmm. as a, as a historian and as a filmmaker and as someone who's now kind of really did a lot of research and spent time on it. Um, And that, and, and the, and the root of, of especially of of violence and, and how women are treated really comes into, comes into play when you, when you talk about patriarchy, Mm -hmm. you know. It's it's always been the struggle where men have figured out in whatever form ways to control women, right? And and once you can break that cycle, break patriarchy, and give women the power that they over their lives and, and their bodies and everything else, mm-hmm. then things will make will have dramatic change.
1: Wow. So uh, one is uh, one one is talking about it as in this conversation as two people. But when you actually look at the real world, there are so many other things uh, that kind of play a very key role or a pivotal role in both the world perceiving the meaning of gender equality and also reshaping reality, let me put it that way. Like, for example, mm-hmm. there is news and uh, other other kind of content that gets created online, uh, which play a very important role. At least the way I look at it, uh, I open Facebook or any social media platform. I do see the right. hashtag and uh, being used both for good and bad. The question that I really find tough to answer is, as an uh, artist, how can we make a better difference um, or a difference for the good?
0: Sure. Um, I mean, I, I, as I'm also, I, I consider myself an artist and also a storyteller. So I've, I've always felt that... Um, let, me, let me give an example as a storyteller mm-hmm. if you if you look at all the extreme movements that have happened in the history or in or are even happening now a lot of these mm-hmm. groups whether they're you know nationalist or uh, neo-nazis or whatever else you know mm-hmm. um they have the reason why they're so successful is they know how to control the narrative mm-hmm. they know how to tell stories and make people believe them you know and uh you know, I mean, the whole thing about false news and things like that is is a great example of this. Right. I think I think the real trick for storytellers and an artist is to challenge that and to challenge the narrative. Mm. And 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 women have have always and that's how women have been controlled, especially in patriarchal society. Is their narrative has been hijacked by other men. They've been told. Mm. That they need to do this and that, you know, mm-hmm. or they need to live these lives. Their story, their lives, their stories are based on what men tell them. Mm-hmm. As a storyteller, I mean, I feel as as a, as a social activist as well, and as a human being, I feel that I need to help break those narratives and and as I said, give women the control over themselves, their lives, their bodies. Hmm. I mean, uh, let me give you one example of, of a typical thing that I always hear in India um, is, you know, a l- lot of people say, well, you know, women should not go out at late at night mm-hmm. because it's for their safety. We're all, you know, we're thinking about uh, the women's, uh, you know, protecting women. Mm. You hear this uh, often, quite often. And then I say to them, well, if you think, the the city you live in or the world you live in is that dangerous would you also say that to your sons Mm. you know i mean your sons could easily be killed as your daughters can late at night why not make them stay home as well Mm. and and that usually kind of shuts the debate because it's it's not about women's safety the reason they're saying that it's about control
1: Hmm. that's a very um important point you bring across which uh oftentimes also has its roots and in, in in the way the two genders are perceived one is stronger mm-hmm. the other is weaker right right yeah so uh you know I, I really uh like the approach that you took with respect to priya shakti where you kind of try to weave in this uh and and convey your uh message through the help of mythology mm-hmm. and it's tough i mean as you can imagine uh gender equality is pretty tough worldwide and i'm seeing this right. happen in the u.s as well and the rest of the world as well as so well now in, in India especially specifically because of the multiple cultures and multiple religions as well so there is a kind of a tough situation where using mythology and talking about something can sometimes go kind of awry and I, I know you kind of took a very careful approach at this can you describe uh, in your mind, if if you went back to 2012 after this whole episode, how did you approach something like Kriya Shakti? What I mean, I, I heard you say in one of the other videos uh, that I've seen on the internet where you describe yourself as a project manager. When it comes to execution of this entire thing, I, I know how careful you need to be, especially when handling Minor. a subject like this. Uh, yeah, and I n- can you can you go back to twenty <laughs> two and describe?
0: Sure. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, this uh, uh, you know, tackling a, a topic like this, of course, we had we had many different things we had to kind of really uh, be cognizant of. One, of course, um, you know, treating uh, Hinduism and the Hindu national uh, Hindu mythological stories properly. You know, last thing we needed to do, and I, I was very particularly careful. I didn't want to uh, challenge Hinduism. That's, that was never the goal. Because mm-hmm. I always felt the core essence of Hinduism is uh, is about conquering your fears. And that's mm-hmm. what the f- comic book is and what Priya is trying to do is conquer her fears. Um, and then, of course, you know, we had to be very co- cognizant and be very, very careful about talking about gender violence issues and women's issues, mm-hmm. especially from a point of view coming from a man's point of view, right. you know? Even though I'm a documentary filmmaker and I spent a lot of time with rape survivors and then eventually acid attack survivors in the second chapter, um, I'm always understanding and aware that I'm a man Mm -hmm. telling a story about uh, women and especially women who've gone through horrific trauma. Mm -hmm. So I – and and the only way to like really properly address this is to, of course – as a filmmaker documentary filmmaker is to is to interview and talk to the women that will eventually appear in the comic book or their stories will appear in the comic book that's very critical mm-hmm. and then and then as a project manager you know quote-unquote project manager I had to also make sure that all the different people involved constituents as, as you as you can call them mm-hmm. um, meaning NGOs um, uh, sociologists uh, Hindu mythological uh you know, professors who study Hindu mythology, mm-hmm. um, women's rights organizations, uni- so forth, mm-hmm. they all had their input into it as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I can say at the very end, when we did eventually release Priya Shakti and then Priya Smir, we had a really good team behind us. And it wasn't just me and uh, Dan Goldman, the artist, doing it, it was a, a whole team of not only men but women's and organizations mm-hmm. that were involved in this and gave their input into it mm-hmm. and made sure that when it was launched, if there were issues or questions, we could properly address them. And and we had the agency to tell the story.
1: Mm-hmm. So you talk about two things. One is a team. Next right. is an agency. Can you describe that to us a little bit more?
0: Sure. Well, I mean, when I say about agency – is uh, I obviously do not have agency in, in in terms as a as a woman and as a survivor. Mm-hmm. I have agency as as a man who uh, has gone through this journey of understanding, mm-hmm. and and my goals is to reach other men and especially teenage boys and have them understand the um, what rape survivors go through, what survivors go through. Right. That's the agency that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've, I've never ever claimed uh that the comic book or the or priya or any of the, any of the um, any of the stuff we do will stop rape mm-hmm. you know that's that is a ridiculous claim that i've never I, I've, I've never made that right. I always felt the the power of the comic book and, and the project we did is mm-hmm. is it allows uh really complicated topics. Rape, acid attacks, and the third one uh, about sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. It allows people to approach these by using the constructs and and the documentary elements that exist there. What I mean by constructs is the constructs of Hinduism, the constructs of superheroes, of right. comic books, and things like that, mythology, that everyone understands. Mm-hmm. It allows people to talk about these topics by coming in it from those point of views, um, right. which is very different than what NGOs do. NGOs are specifically designed for one of two reasons, one of two, one of two purposes. One is either to help survivors, so they have a very direct approach there. Yeah. Or the second thing is they're very direct in trying to educate the public. So their message is not storytelling; it's message. Right. It's a clear message that they're trying to convey. Mm-hmm. Um, in our sense, what we're trying to do is we're trying to tell a story. And by telling a story, it allows people to approach these complex topics that w- that most likely they would not want to talk about.
1: Right, right. So you, are more more kind of a medium, mm-hmm. N- or are probably, yeah. You're you're probably the medium to for in- NGOs to get their work get to do better work. Is that a yeah point? and.
0: And, and, and the survivors, like let me give an example, um, Priya's mirror, which is mm-hmm. about acid attacks, uh, which I think was a really, really well thought out approach. Uh, because when, I, when we started the project, it started me interviewing acid attack survivors in Delhi mm-hmm. and clearly understanding that the trauma they went through is very similar to the trauma that rape survivors go through. Um, mm. And then secondly, the stigma that they face was very similar. So we knew and I knew that we had to continue Priya's story with the second story about acid attack survivors. So what Mm -hmm. we did is not only got their stories, we made them characters in the comic book. So we gave them agency to tell their stories Hmm. because uh, a lot of these acid attack survivors wanted to go public. The worst thing that can happen to an acid attack survivor besides the horrific crime and uh, the thing that has happened to them is is afterwards being in complete isolation – and being kind of shunned or hidden away hmm. because that just feeds into the depression feeds into the blame that they put on themselves. Yeah. The only way for them to overcome that is to go public, to live a normal life, to try to get back into society. Right. Now what happens is a lot of society don't want them to come back. Hmm. Because 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 it's 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 not only the patriarchy and the stigma surrounding acid attacks, right. it's also the horrific nature of of I mean their faces are brutally brutalized mm-hmm. you know right and and a lot of people just turn away from that now what our comic book did is we allowed uh, by by depicting them in the comic book as characters as human beings we allowed p- people to approach them because because not only were they in the comic book they were also inv- involved in all the media all the news stories and everything else right right so it it turned this this sort of abstract thing that people don't want to know about Mm. into something more human
1: now can you imagine the complexity involved in carrying out projects like this firstly the subject is a delicate one yet important enough to pay attention to the complexities involved is so high as these involved talking to governments legal agencies and NGOs you know The more you talk about it, the more important I I feel the approach is to doing this. Right? I mean, it's very easy to create a comic book. I mean, I don't want to Mm -hmm. oversimplify uh, the creation of a comic book here, but then it's it's good easy to be an artist, but tough Mm -hmm. to make your art heard or looked upon as something that can bring about change.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's what we do is pretty pretty spectacular in in my opinion because you're right i mean there are a lot of comic books out there and there's tons of nowadays there's tons of comic book movies out there right and and um and there's plenty of people doing that but like what we try to do this you know beautiful fusion of social activism comic book art interactive technology um and and having kind of a global reach was quite unique. And, and, and it really comes from, um, having like uh, Dan Goldman's a spectacular artist. He did the artwork Mm -hmm. and I had many other people, Shubra Prakash who helped produce it and did a lot of the voiceover for the, the, all the, all the films that were associated with it. Mm -hmm. So there was, there was a lot of people that were involved in this, in developing this project. And we took our time, you know, it, we released it about 18 months, um, after December, 2012, it came out. Around December 2014, around that time, mm-hmm. so about eighteen months, two years. Um, so we really, really took our time and made sure it was done properly. Granted, you know, there's it, it's there's something also very captivating about this project, mm-hmm. which is when it was launched. You know, it went like super viral, and mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it was, it was covered and downloaded all over the world not just in India mm-hmm. and it was something that like none of us anticipated so I think there was something very kind of organic and captivating mm-hmm. about about the character Priya you know this rape survivor on a tiger and in, right. in India uh, kind of fighting the patriarchy and kind of you know, it was just it was all, all the all the different parts kind of work beautifully together Right. And it was and and we didn't anticipate it to go viral. You know, it was, we were surprised how big it went. It was beyond our kind of our infrastructure mm-hmm. that we had, which was you know all basically working artists. Right. Um, but we kind of rode the tiger, so to speak, and and uh, we've been very fortunate by it.
1: So, like you said, you had yourself doing the project m- management, quote unquote um and you also had uh, on the other side Dan Goldman do the artwork which is by the way fantastic and i think it's uh something that uh, evokes a lot of uh, connection with people reading it and then mm-hmm. you have the rest of the team how did you make sure a in in hindsight perhaps you have uh, uh you have an idea as to why it got viral b right. what were the intentional steps you took in order for it to get adopted? Because I know you did a lot of other things like murals and other stuff. Can you describe
0: that? Yeah. I mean, I mean the whole, the whole process of creating this comic book was, was never so, I mean, I, I, when, when I do my presentation, I speak in a very linear way Mm -hmm. because I, I, that's kind of how it, uh, people want to hear it. But, but artwork and creation of art is never so linear. It's, it's a, it's a bit of a mess and there was different, different things we kind of did and, like I said, like uh, all the different parts kind of worked perfectly together in the end. But getting to that point was not so easy. Mm-hmm. Like one of the first incarnations that we did was that I did was uh, as a filmmaker. I took all these old 70s Bollywood films and mm-hmm. like 12 of them and recut them into a into a kind of a remix film mm-hmm. that uh, you know based on these Hindu mythological films from the 70s that focused on sexual violence right. and it involved the gods. Mm. And which kind of was the nucleus to which eventually came Priya Shakti. Um, So, you know, all these little, all these different pathways kind of, you know, one went one way and others, you know, didn't work sometimes. But I think think at the core, like, I knew there was something um, organic about trying to create a superhero, a female superhero who's Mm. a rape survivor. And Mm. and it was not until when I met Dan that literally Dan... uh, looked at the films that I cut, which were these kind of Technicolor films from the 70s. Mm-hmm. Looked at it and I said, "Why don't you make this into a comic book? It looks like a comic book." Right. And uh, and and it was kind of, you know, I, I I kind of joke around about this, but Dan and I met totally by chance. Mm. Literally, we were at this meetup in New York City, like a, a tech meetup, mm-hmm. and Dan was leaving the meetup and I was coming in. This was our first meetup. That either of us ever went to okay and we bumped into each other at the uh entrance exit so to Mm -hmm. speak and uh started talking
1: Mm. Uh,
0: because that's what a meetup is you go there to meet people and um i asked him what he did and he said comics and i showed and i showed him these videos that i cut together and he said let's you should do a comic book and uh he also grew up um reading the you know the um, mythological comics, the Hindu mythological comics yeah. that I did when I was in India. Mm-hmm. So there was this like natural connection that kind of played into it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, and he came on board and that kind of moved the whole project into a comic book, right? And that became the central focus rather than these films, mm-hmm. these mythological films. Um, and and it was just also beautiful that Dan, especially his artwork, in in a des- mm-hmm. in a design sense, and he's not only done this with Priya Shakti, but all of his other comics, mm-hmm. he mixes uh, photo collage with co- with comic book drawings. Right. So he always has this kind of documentary element to it
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, in his comic books. Um, so, so the magical, in the case of Priya Shakti, the mythological gods and Priya on a tiger, the magical realism is always grounded with the photo collages in mm-hmm. real life. Um, yeah. and that that I think was very important because uh we didn 't want this kind of heavenly kind of distant uh, feel to it. We wanted people who read it say, "Okay, well, that does look like India that does look like the, the hometown that i that I grew up in right um, and that was that was very important in in sort of conveying the message
1: right.
0: and then, on top of that, me being a documentary filmmaker, I ended up interviewing a lot of the women mm-hmm. and getting these stories, and I, we were able. To integrate that into the comic book through this technology called augmented reality, mm-hmm. which I'm happy to talk about later if you want. Sure. Um, that I think that answered one so, p- part of the question. Yeah. There There's one other.
1: So um, yeah, let's let's uh, complete that <laughs> in that part perhaps. So you used all these newer technologies as well, but uh, no matter what we do, you know, most mm-hmm. often as artists and creators there is one thing that's in the corner of our mind that when we do this that will happen when you do a right. b will happen a do x y will happen and that's often not the case right i mean i'm sure there's more work that goes in that should go into an art art to actually get right. accepted and one of them we beautifully talk about is actually mixing reality with art which dan goldman mm-hmm. did beautifully the photo collages. But uh, you also had uh, other roles like uh, how did, you know, there, there needs to be a way for you to get and do these interviews, A. And B, there needs to be a way for you to execute the other things that you did. And you talk about impact strategists and all those things. Can you describe mm-hmm. that a little bit?
0: Sure. I mean, um, I, I, I made numerous trips to India
1: hmm.
0: um, from December 2012 all the way until the launch so I was always in communication with um, NGOs and foundations, and I was, you know, I, I was trying to kind of build that network and trying to uh, eventually interview survivors. Right. And I, I could say, you know, I mean, this was this Priya Shakti was kind of really out there in the in, in the in initial conception wise. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, people, if you, if you really, I mean, just think about it. You go to people. NGOs, people working in the, in the sector, and you say you want to create a female superhero, as a rape survivor right. who flies around on a tiger. Well, they're going to look at you and they're going to say you're crazy, hmm. you know. And uh, and a lot of people, a lot of people thought like, you know, who is this guy? And, and also being a man too,
1: right?
0: That uh, that that didn't help. So right. um, I, and and there's there's a lot of barriers. I but uh, but you know, one thing I am as a, as a filmmaker is I'm dogged. Like mm-hmm. I will pursue something once I have my mindset on it and I'm, and I, and I know for sure that I can, that it's a really worthwhile project mm-hmm. or something worthwhile to do. So I kept, you know, researching and asking and asking. Yeah. And then eventually I, I was able to connect with a lawyer who represented some of the rape survivors. Uh, in, in, and when I mean rape survivors, they're actually gang rape survivors mm-hmm. in, um, in, uh, Northern India. Um, yeah. and, uh, and that allowed me to then to interview them, and that helped, kind of, uh, that definitely helped make the story more authentic right. and really kind of hone the story, much, especially Priya's story, Got more. Um, so, the, so, and then, and of course, having their interviews, you know, we we eventually animated them because of legal issues. Right. You can't, of course, uh, visually uh, show who the survive rape survivors are. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to animate them, and but their voices were there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that also added a level of authenticity and, and, and agency to the comic book. Um, right. so that was, that was very critical. Um, and then, you know, the thing with acid attack survivors, of course, is they're not uh, restricted in India from being, uh, physically and verbally, uh, vocal and out there because mm-hmm. India doesn't consider acid attacks, a sexual violence crime. Is it? Um, yeah, I don't yeah. think it's. The uh, I, I laws might might have changed a bit, but uh, but they don't have the same legal restrictions that uh, yeah. uh, rape survivors have, especially in the media and uh, how people deal with them. Okay. Um. So that was much much easier to get in touch with, and there's tons of NGOs run by acid attack survivors in India and mm-hmm. all over the world. Right. Um. So. 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 Th- now, cuz I lost it. my no. train of thought. No, 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 yeah.
1: no worry. So, uh that is about how you reached out. Now, talking about right. the other side, how do you do you reach out to people to have your art both connected and accepted? Like you talk about uh, murals using impact strategies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Right. Can you describe that whole chain of people that you orchestrated?
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I was not going um when 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 kind of developing the team and and uh developing the the first comic book i really didn't have any one to kind of seek out or because we were kind of doing we were doing something pretty innovative right. in uh and so that so in a sense i had to kind of go with my gut reaction yeah. i knew that in order to, in order to get attention i mean our artwork work stands on its own mm-hmm. i knew in order to get t- attention we had to have um like a, a marketing team we had to have a publicist so Right. Within those two years, I, I reached out, hired a publicist, um, and I hired, uh, you know, I started making contact with the press and media mm-hmm. and, and so on, and, um, and especially in India. I mean, I was right. like, actually entirely in India. Um, and uh, that, was, that was really critical. It's like I basically made sure that before we launched it, we had all of the sort of the mechanisms there mm-hmm. to at least have a successful launch. Right. Like I, I always felt that this comic book would have uh, attraction and media attraction, and uh, have downloads in India, and that was always the focus. Mm-hmm. Was that like our focus was always, and that's the reason why we launched it at the Mumbai Comic Con, because mm-hmm. we wanted to make sure that the comic book would be released and it would have a media attention and a download attention in India. Right, and uh, and and it did, but but what happened was literally um i mean i i have to give credit where where it needs to be done we um a friend um, who eventually became a friend mm-hmm. she, gita with the bbc wrote a beautiful article for the first one and that got uh launched first
1: mm-hmm.
0: and and it just like the images that popped up on bbc it eventually became the 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 top trending story on BBC, definitely that day, maybe even that week, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and uh, it just sort of exploded beyond um, beyond everything. And literally, you know, every media outlet was calling me uh, and calling us to do stories. Uh, I mean, the the story was just it was it was it was a it was 18 months, two years after what happened on the bus, and people wanted to see a positive story coming out of India, mm-hmm. you know, about a rape survivor who fights back
1: right?
0: and the images and the, and what was re, the, it was just all captivating and it was original and different right. and uh, no one anywhere like it was for them. It was, it was the best story to tell about mm-hmm. India and, uh, and, and globally it just like took off right. in a massive way. Um and uh, that we didn't anticipate and 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 strangely enough the Indian media kind of saw this mm-hmm. they I mean we were getting some stories in in, in India and in like India the BBC India and a few others but once it went global like everyone in India wanted to cover this as well oh, right and uh, so so that that you know so so, so that's so, that's kind of the media launch but the, but talking about the other components. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, you know there was there was so much original ideas here. So one of the really unique things we were trying to do with this comic book is, uh, and we did, is mm-hmm. we included a technology called augmented reality. Mm-hmm. Now, nowadays augmented reality is kind of commonplace because Apple is integrated to their phone, Google, Androids in their phone, right. and so on. But you got to remember this was 2013, mm. eight, five years ago, where the, the landscape for AR was like a desert. There right. was it was a wasteland. No one was doing anything, mm-hmm. and especially not in India. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, you know, I I kind of I came up with the idea of using AR because uh, it all came from one day when I was uh, for the first time at the Sistine Chapel in mm-hmm. um, at the Vatican, right. and I I was looking at Michelangelo's artwork. And if you ever been to the Sistine Chapel, you look up. And it's really high up in the ceiling. It's you know, it's it's. I, mean, I joke around. It's like the greatest comic book ever drawn. You know, they're all panels, mm-hmm. and in each panel is a story about uh, humanity and the gods and so on, right. about Jesus and so and so on. Um, and it's a great and it's and it's spectacular art, but it's really difficult to see everything because they're so high up. And I literally mm-hmm. held my phone up one day, mm-hmm. and I put the camera on and I zoomed in, and that was a way for me to see the panels. Right. I said, wait a minute. Okay. If I can do this, maybe if I can zoom in, I can somehow learn more about what's in those panels. Maybe the next step is I can actually figure out how to animate those panels through my phone. Well, yeah. And I didn't know this was augmented reality. <laughs> I didn't. I never heard of uh, augmented reality. Right. So I went went home and started Google searching all these phrases that came into my mind, and and augmented reality popped up, and then that's where I started. Okay, I started. Maybe this is the way to do it. Right. And then and then I then I thought, you know. Obviously, AR is perfect for comic books because for comic books, it turns a comic book into a pop-up book. It, yeah. it, it's, it's perfectly designed for comic books. I mean, it's designed for art galleries and exhibitions because it basically takes images mm-hmm. and, and brings them to life or adds another layer of information. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of where it all started. You know, I started researching, looked at companies that were doing it, mm-hmm. found a company called Blippar, which was at that moment... Uh, opening an office in India, in mm-hmm. Delhi. Mm-hmm. So there was like I said, everything was kinda of coming into place and it was a weird I mean, I I also joke around like the Hindu gods were on my side. Because <laughs> they kind of make these things kinda of all work together. It was like it was a beautiful synergy of certain things happening at the right time right. and at the right place. Um so once once you know I figured out what AR was, I had to like then research how to do it and create all these elements and include Embed the videos of the survivors and everything mm-hmm. else in there, and that you know that uh, that took a little while, but uh, I kind of I, I learned it and did it. Um, and when we launched it, you know, people were shocked. Like at the, when we did at the Mumbai Comic Con, we had a beautiful exhibit uh, a beautiful booth, mm-hmm. very you know like uh, very colorful with all the artwork, and uh, all these teenagers would come up to us and we would give out the free comic and we'd talk about it. And then I would l- literally pick up my phone or my iPad and show them the comic book through AR, mm-hmm. and they would literally see the artwork and the characters moving and coming to life. Wow. And then and they would look up and I mean it was it was like it was surreal and magical right. at the same time because 2014 when we launched it, AR was was it was it was still very new and it was. Right. It was like magic when 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 people saw it and uh and 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 it added this different layer to the comic book that like it people wanted wanted this uh, mm-hmm. wanted it beyond just the story
1: yeah one is connecting with people who use uh technology right I mean using mm-hmm. iPads and whatnot, but the other side is actually reaching it out to people in the rural areas yeah. You know how did how did that work how did you make sure that impact was actually felt in the places where it needed to be felt
0: yes well i mean this this is the complicated part um especially with social impact yeah. and and also india being such a huge country right i i've uh i mean i i know that's one of our big failings is that mm-hmm. is uh, i know the comic book you know it's digitally it's got a lot of downloads and it's read all over the news and people uh we've given out almost like 30,000 printed copies Mm -hmm. but i I know where the reach is um i mean this is it's primarily urban it's uh i mean it's people who have smartphones or devices where they can download the comic book Mm -hmm. so there is there is a problem in in most social activism and particularly in india is how do you reach that last mile right like you can get the comic book. I can print a Hindi version of the comic book and get it to the rural areas. Mm-hmm. But how do I make sure it gets to people? And then secondly, how do I make sure that the people that it gets to, they read it and then learn from it and somehow incorporate it into their lives? Right. It's something as an artist, as a storyteller, and especially some guy living in New York City, hmm. it's it's difficult for me to to do and uh, I've worked with NGOs, we had NGO partners, but even to them, it's, it's a mystery, you know? Mm. There's, it's, it's, these things require resources, time, effort, and, and everything else along that. And, right. and, and most of these NGOs do not have any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and granted, I, I also don't believe NGOs should be going around all these rural areas passing out comic books. where well, they probably should be going around rural areas talking to survivors and giving them medical help instead, you know? So I've, I've always been very practical Hmm. in this, in this project. Like I've, I've, I've never been delusional and I never made any big claims. Right. I know the limits that, that we, that this comic book can do. Um, I, but I also believe the strength is, is, is the fact that it's very organic and that, uh, people share it and pass it on. And, um, and, and sometimes things take time. You know, we, we're doing our third chapter. Mm-hmm. So we're like, we're continuing Priya's journey right. and making it, making these issues continuously relevant, you know, mm-hmm. through the comic
1: book. Priya's Shakti had a clear timeline and Ram did make sure he and his team worked tirelessly to get that completed on time. But when it comes to the final product, in this case, it's a comic book. It continues to live. So I was curious what Ram thought about the f- life of Priya's Shakti.
0: Well, I I think the I mean I'm I, I think the importance is actually the character Priya. Hmm. Uh, I mean this is kind of the reason why we do these murals, um, and we do them uh, you know uh, in in cities and and we're trying to do them in other places as well. But the reason why I do these murals is because the image of a You know, when you look at the image of Priya on the tiger, you obviously, in India, you think it's Durga on the tiger, right? The goddess Durga, and the goddess Durga is the ultimate goddess of feminine power. Right. And is worshipped in most parts of India. But when you look at our murals we paint, it's not Durga. People kind of look at it and say, okay, that's not Durga. But what always happens is people that see these murals, they know it's a strong, empowered woman. Right. You know, any woman who's riding a tiger... Is fierce, is tough, mm-hmm. is sending a message of some sort. Right. So I, I think I think the image that we created, and that Dan beautifully drew, is is something that is that is a symbol beyond just the physical Absolutely. aspect of the of the comic book. And and if you look at how mythologies or anything else kind of forms, whether it's Star Wars or whatever, you know, any any mythological story, in right. uh, it's it starts with these images, you know, in the case of Star Wars, Darth Vader, Luke oh, Skywalker, right. and so on, right? Right. But the stories, the stories are pretty simple, yeah. Um, and 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 they're very captivating, and, and and over time, we hope is the image of Priya and is and her story is hopefully will go into the national consciousness. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So, when doing all of this uh, work that you described is a lot of requires a lot of resources including money yes. and time and all those things one is i know you did some magic you pulled out a trick from your sleeve to to actually make your time available i don't know how you did it but the more the important thing is the money and how right. did you go about putting that in place
0: yeah i mean that was hard uh, i mean i'll be honest with you the first one um i mean until the grant started flowing in it basically uh, I sold uh, a lot of my stock portfolio mm-hmm. and uh, used my own money to get the whole project started initially. Wow. Uh, like I said, it was people thought it was kind of a crazy idea, um, and especially with uh, NGOs and foundations. Right. Um, eventually, um, the Tribeca Film Institute through the mm-hmm. Ford Foundation um, really understood what we were trying to do or what I was trying to do, mm-hmm. and. And they looked at, of course, uh, some of the early images that Dan drew, mm-hmm. and they knew this was going to be a professional job. Right. And uh, they they had, I think, they had the foresight um, to understand that we were like really pushing the edges, um, and not only pushing the edges with storytelling, but with technology, because you know back then when we got the funding, no one was doing AR,
1: right?
0: Even in the U.S. in New York too. Mm-hmm. Um. So they were they had the foresight, and that money eventually. Kind of led to other other funds, and then and then and there was like I said it was it was it was kind of all organically developing. Once we started having that funding, we started going further into it and really building the the finishing the comic book and building the AR elements. Right. And when once we had that, once we started showing that before we launched it, mm-hmm. you know, showed it to foundations, showed it to people, like they were completely blown away by it, and right. and and they. I I literally remember sending it to a foundation and they sent, they showed it to uh, the editor of one of the biggest uh, feminist magazines in the United States. Mm -hmm. And that editor told the foundation said, this is going to be a ground, this is going to change everything. Like literally that's what they said. Nice. And uh, so once the foundation heard that, they knew they had to fund it. Like this was, uh, this was something that was, too incredible or too just just like really worked
1: mm-hmm. that
0: people didn't people had to but that foundations wanted to get behind
1: nice
0: and um and that kind of led to the second chapter where the world bank came on board and saw the success of the first one and they, they wanted to get get involved as well
1: mm-hmm. wow that's a lot of hard so work. yeah
0: yeah it was a lot of i mean it's uh, it's a lot of grant writing it's a lot of um communicating so you know in the sense of the project manager it was a right. ton of work on my part to like i mean i was um, i mean I had, I had help but but then it comes down to me putting the applications in doing the paperwork doing these crazy grant applications and getting them out and and then eventually trying to sell it and get, and get people excited about it you know
1: ram is one in a million who has the perfect mix of various skills that he uses in the best way to identify and execute projects like this. And sometimes they say that a lot of this is due to influences we have in our childhood. So I was curious what kind of influences he had in his childhood.
0: Sure. Um, well, I was, uh, like I said, I, I, I was born uh, in a small farm town uh, called area, which is near Vichywada
1: mm-hmm.
0: down uh, south. Um, and, uh, and in, in, and at the age of six um, uh, literally I was uh, I mean my parents were both doctors so they were living okay. in the United States and I was living with my brother in um, in this town so mm-hmm. to an extent our families were very separate uh, I was separated from my parents um, which is a common thing that uh, a lot of parents did back then in this this late 70s 80s is like they went to the US or mm-hmm. Australia or the UK and worked and and then eventually uh, brought the kids there. Right. So I was raised by my by my grandparents, um, and uh, I I literally remember like literally my grandparents um, took us to uh, took us to I, I think it was Mumbai or Delhi I can't remember now, <laughs> uh-huh. and literally put us on an Air India me six year old kid and my four and a half year old brother who's crying all the time on a plane on an Air India plane strapped us in. And uh told the stewards to look after us. And we flew across. That was the first flight I ever took. Wow. Uh, f- flew across the world to New York City where my parents picked us up at the airport at JFK. And, um, and my brother ran to them. And I remember uh, that I didn't run to my parents. I didn't really know who they were. Wow! I like lost the memory f- of, of, of who they were. And I think that probably maybe subconsciously played the... Uh, a role in my development, you know, because I was very removed and distant from that. Um, I'm not sure if that led to me having to prove something or not. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's sort of, and then then eventually I grew up in um, South Jersey uh, near Philadelphia as living kind of an American life.
1: Yeah, but what did you have any sort of uh, influence on you in terms of, um, you know, as a filmmaker? Is there any past memories of you... Um, having any connection with your parents, uh, you know, crazy well, about films or? No,
0: not at all. Uh, my parents were, uh, doctors. Um, wow. and, uh, I mean, I, I should say this, I do come from a film family. So my grand uncle is, um, is, uh, LV Prasad, oh, okay. uh, who is, uh, right. the, the, you know, the, the Prasad film labs and everything in South, in right. Chennai, you know, he helped bring Indian uh, uh, color to Indian cinema right. back in, you know, back in like, you know, 60s or so. Right. So there was, you know, there's there's points where when I was in India, when I when we did go to Chennai or to Hyderabad, going on these film sets and uh, yeah. the studios and walking around. Uh, and, of course, as all Indians, I watched a lot of uh, Bollywood and uh, Taliwood and all these other films. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know i i i grew up on films but but that was not like i never had any ambitions mm. to make films like uh I, it's just strange that it kind of like i fell into this i mm. actually had more ambitions of going into politics and becoming a lawyer and doing things like that it, my, my, i had no ambitions of going into it either
1: what did you I learn was more in, when you did a degree
0: i i studied political science i was actually uh-huh. very involved in politics i organized political campaigns ran uh, ran uh, state campaigns, nice. uh, ran congressional campaigns in the U.S. So I was very involved in that. Um, it was not social issues; it was supporting candidates, getting them elected, people I believed in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like I said, I, I I've never had a like a clear trajectory to making films or even creating Priya mm-hmm. Like my life kind of weaved in many different fields. You know, I went into technology. I went into you know all all different stuff. Poetry, you name right. it. Um, and then, you know, like I said, you you can't kind of map my life and say, oh yeah, he this thing back then kind of led to him becoming a documentary filmmaker. Right. You know, it just it doesn't it doesn't happen. There's no there's no clear line at all.
1: When it comes to people, every person is different and unique. But when it comes to art, this is even more true. And it seemed more clearly that Ram knew himself well. So I asked him this. You've been like uh, making films uh, for the last so many years now. It's like five, six yeah. years. As a filmmaker, what do you think makes you different from the rest of them out there that you see?
0: Well, I, I kind of try. I mean, I, I, I think I'm a pretty decent documentary filmmaker in the sense I know how to tell good stories. and mm-hmm. I know how to talk to people right. and have them have them. Fact, uh, you know, that I spent all this time with the serial killers and and all these other, you know, whether all these other topics. Like I know how. I mean, um, when they're spending time with rape survivors and acid attack survivors, mm. I know how to make them feel comfortable. And and I, I think the strongest trait that I have, and probably why I went into the arts, is I'm very empathetic. Mm. I I, um, I try to understand whether it's uh, a survivor to even, you know, as, 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 uh, as, as disturbing as serial killers in, uh, from the karma killings. Right. I try to understand them. I mean, in the case, of course, uh, Coley, mm. I, I, I do not uh, justify or, or, or connect or even um, remotely, mm. um, you know, believe in what he did. Mm. But I, I try to empathize and try to understand him as a human being you know how did he end up doing this stuff how did he end up doing these horrific crimes you know mm-hmm. like what was his past what was his history mm-hmm. i mean he was a father he had two kids he was a husband and and, and strangely enough he was actually a very good father and a very mm-hmm. good husband you know so what 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 led to him to do these horrific crimes of murdering children and right. and eventually you know decapitating them and cannibalizing them right. so as a filmmaker i have to kind of understand this and try to somehow empathize, you know, not, not necessarily with what he did, but who he is as a human being, you know? Right. And I think that's very critical, uh, in, in especially in storytelling and trying to do these kind of projects that I did. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's, I mean, maybe that's what kind of makes me different or unique. I mean, there's a lot of good documentary filmmakers that also know how to empathize as well. Right. Um, but I don't, maybe, maybe I'm kind of like, I, I think I sort of fall into that trait.
1: Nice. And um, I'm sure you've um, learned um, all these things on the fly. Of course, you did have the opportunity of um, looking and being on the sets of your grand uncle. But then as an adult, um, doing political campaigns, running political campaigns and all those things, uh, somewhere in the sidelines, you probably have seen somebody need not necessarily be a documentary filmmaker but then who did you right. draw inspiration and learn from
0: uh, are, are you asking in the sense of uh, as a uh, what other filmmakers as story, that I as was a storyteller are, in general? Hmm, as a storyteller well I I liked a lot of uh, a lot of other people uh, was very influenced by Joseph Campbell mm-hmm. um, who wrote a lot about uh, world mythologies of course he was uh, the big influence for uh, George Lucas when creating Star Wars Mm-hmm. um joseph campbell was definitely a, a big part of it um as in, in terms of uh storytellers and filmmakers i mean one of my biggest influences that i that i respect is a uh, kurosawa kira kurosawa the japanese filmmaker mm-hmm. uh, who made uh, seven samurai which i consider one of the greatest films ever made equal to any shakespearean play out there mm-hmm. um of course, uh, you know Sachin Ray, uh, huge. I, I love his work and mm-hmm. and how he revolutionized uh, um, Indian and Bengali cinema right. um, as, as as forms of storytelling. Um, so I kind of I, I yeah I have, I have like m- different multiple experiences coming. No I'm sure a doubt. I'm sure I mean I mean in in in, in terms of art, um, mm-hmm. like I can tell you clearly when I was uh, looking at murals and. In looking at uh, street art, right. I was uh, heavily influenced by Diego Rivera, the Mexican artist, mm-hmm. and, and, and the murals that he did in um, Chicago, Detroit, and, of course, Mexico City, mm-hmm. and how he used uh, street art and murals to tell uh, talk about social justice and to talk about social issues. Right. That clearly played an influence in our creating murals in India.
1: Yeah. Wow, this is terrific uh, you kind of um yeah no wonder that you come from an artistic background for those of them listening at this point perhaps who are people like w- want to be like you a filmmaker a documentary filmmaker um you know what what are some of the biggest mistakes you've seen that um you know budding filmmakers and or documentary filmmakers do and um, uh, a and b what do you think is a complete waste of time when you start to, to create a film
0: Sure. Well, I, I, I I say this to any artist is have no regrets. Like if you're going to commit to a story or a film or a project, completely dedicate yourself to it. Now I -hmm. was fortunate that I was, obviously I'm I'm a guy who can hold a full-time job and able to do this. But if you feel you need to like tell this story, then, Commit to it because the last thing you want to do is not do it or you feel um, restricted by it and and, and then quit Mm -hmm. and then living the rest of your life regretting never having to do it. I, I tell people, you know, if you need to get if you need to push yourself to the edge physically, mentally to get this thing done and you believe in it, do it. Because the worst thing you can have is to spend the rest of your life wondering. Right. What would have happened it's yeah. it's okay if you do it and you, and you fail that's fine right but at least you know you tried and uh <laughs> right. and I you know I, I tell people like just if, I mean you can look at my life in the sense um I with any already the films I immersed myself to it I knew once I started i my goal was I was going to finish it and get it out there and 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 make sure. It reaches audiences. That was always my objective. Like right. once I do, once I do something as an artist, it's important that you finish it.
1: Yeah, and and any any parting advice to aspiring filmmakers, artists?
0: Yeah, maybe. Uh, my my only advice is maybe you shouldn't wait as long as I did. <laughs> 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 I mean, uh, it's it's it, art. Art is kind of a young person's game. I mean, if you can, if you can just like. Uh, do it when you're a little little younger and uh, with more energy. I, I mean, go for it, man. Because I, I'll tell you this: it's better to fail when you're young, right? And than to fail when you're older. You know, yeah. I think if when you're young, you can kind of move on. It's okay, fine. I do something else. When you're older, you fail. It's like, oh shit! You know, I gotta <laughs> what the hell happened? Now, what am I gonna do? You know, I <laughs> don't, I don't have, I don't, have, I don't have much. I don't have many more years to live. I gotta. You know what the hell did I? What did I mess up on? I was fortunate. I mean, I luckily I had some projects and films that were a success when I was older. Right. But uh, definitely do it when you're younger if you can. I have to be honest with you. I basically, you know, they call me the James Bond of IT professionals. Um, because I kind of basically kind of lived this secret clandestine life, like no one at Citibank or any of, any of my the companies I worked with knew that I was doing this artwork or, or any of these films and vice versa. I and mean, people that, uh, they didn't know I was working for Citibank. I kept those two lives completely separate. I always did an honest day's work and I've never actually, strangely enough, I mean, I was working at least 22 hours a day well, between these two things. So I was not sleeping much, and uh, I always did an honest day's work um, at at, uh, at my com- at the company I worked for and on the films that I did. like I never I never slacked off. I was insanely tired and, uh, and but by the, by the end of it, I, I realized you know, my health was going. It was incredibly stressful because I was you know doing massive troubleshooting uh, for this large corporation, fixing problems. While also trying to fix problems on the film and shooting the film and trying to get that story done, um, so it's it's it was you know I I wouldn't recommend it to people. I don't know why I did it so long. Like I should have probably quit earlier, but obviously the money was too good, you know. So I, I think at a certain point I, I realized that uh, okay, I, I was kind of deluding myself. I can kind of do this work as an artist and make money and also um have a living and like what am i waiting for and uh you know the comic book was a success the films you know kept winning awards and netflix was buying it like i was saying well what am i waiting for what why am i deluding myself i have to make a decision and 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 that's eventually what all all artists have to do at a certain point they have to look at the work they're doing and they have to say okay can i maintain this lifestyle uh doing multiple jobs or even holding down you know because uh, uh, I mean, for many others, I mean, I this I have to be honest. I don't have any kids and I don't have a wife, It's our family. So that that didn't play into this, but a lot of people do have that. So there's 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 many other factors that a lot of artists, uh, working artists, have to think about as well. So I don't wanna I don't wanna sound like um, what I was doing was special because I also appreciate a lot of people have not only jobs, their art, but they have a family they have to deal with as well that they have to take care of. So I I and in those I admire as well. If they can if they can create their artwork and keep all those things, all those balls juggling at once, that's great, you know. Um, but but it, for me, at a certain point, uh, the the job that I was doing, I had to make a decision whether to leave or not. And I said, OK, I can do it. You know, I as as a project manager, I basically looked at all my finances and kind of budgeted myself so that I can keep this going as long as possible now.
1: And that was Ram Devineni, James Bond of IT Professionals. He is, but by the end of this conversation, I realized he is so much more. Managing to excel doing two different things is hard, very hard. And I learned so much more from this episode and I really hope you did too. You can reach Ram Devineni on his website, email and Facebook. I'll have the links to his profiles in the show notes, which you can find at designyourthinking.com slash S2E8. That's Season 2, Episode 8. So, if you liked listening to this episode, I really would appreciate you leaving a rating and review for the show on iTunes. No, I really mean it. Because if you are someone who enjoys the show i'm sure you're going to have more people like you out there and i would really want to take this show to them as well and you can do this by just leaving a rating and review so if you are using an apple device just head over to designyourthinking.com slash itunes on your browser to leave a rating review just type that designyourthinking.com slash iTunes in your browser and that will open your iTunes app and just follow the cues and it will take you right to the page where you can leave me a rating and review I really really appreciate you doing that for me because that's the only thing that I ask from you in return to all this content that I put out you don't need to pay me at all just do this one thing and that's much much more than what money can do The show is also available on Spotify, Google Play and YouTube. You can type designyourthinking.com slash Spotify or designyourthinking.com slash Google Play or designyourthinking.com slash YouTube to get right there. I truly appreciate you taking the time today. And until I see you with the next episode, take care and cheers.